following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Tom Dupree show. This is Tom Dupree. I have with me Mike Johnson and Philip Sexton. Good morning. Morning, guys. Good morning. Well, we had a, a lot of bounciness going on in the market again this week. We did. Uh, yesterday, um, I mean, for the week, uh, the, the market was up. The S&P and the Dow were up uh, for the week. Um you know, last week it started with the tariffs, so the market was digesting uh, what was going to happen with the tariffs. Um, yesterday, the employment numbers came out, and uh, it was a revision, and uh, that uh, it was a blowout kind of. Yeah, well, it was. It, I think they revised them slightly lower, and that made the market feel better about inflation. So it's okay. uh, kind of kind of bad news is good news in a in this scenario. Yeah, it, it was a uh, kind of. The, the wage, you know, they, they, they yeah. kind of tamped down wage growth a little bit. Yeah, it was only 2.6%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, the market said, oh, maybe it's inflation is not that bad right now. Yeah. So, so the, the, the S&P was up 1.7% yesterday. Um, and so, it, it, you know, it's gotten past the, the tariff uh, deal for now. Um and we'll see how that plays out over time. Right. Um, it's been kind of a, a rocky market in which to invest. And um, people who uh, are, are sort of in the know about these kinds of things, you know, um, talk about how you ought to pay attention to fundamentals. Right. And um, I wanted to touch on this. You guys have an article here you showed me. Uh, billionaires Warren Buffett and Ray Dalio agree on what to do in a volatile market. Uh, this this came from, uh, looks like... Uh, Yahoo, C- I think. Yeah, CNBC. Following the resignation of Gary Cohn, the chief economic advisor to President Trump on Tuesday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 189 points after opening more than 100, 300 points down. Both the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ declined as well, though the NASDAQ rebounded. Experts continue to fret that a trade war might be imminent. And I would argue that an all-out trade war is probably not a good thing for... Absolutely. For, you know, the economy. But for the average person, shifts in the market, even one's 
as dramatic as uh, ones we've had this year shouldn't be cause for panic. Uh, Warren Buffett and Ray Dalio agree that it's best to stay calm and stick to the basics. Ray Dalio, by the way, uh, runs a very large hedge fund called uh, Bridgewater. I, I think it's called yeah Bridgewater. Bridgewater Associates. And uh, he's a guy that's actually become very wealthy just running a hedge fund. But I wanted to touch on that. This is something we preach a lot is uh, sticking with the fundamentals and uh, let you guys comment on that a bit. Yeah, I think there's like a, a really, really good quote in here. Uh, it says, uh, you know, it, it, if you're trying uh, to buy and sell stocks and worry when they go down a little bit and think uh, you should maybe sell them when they go up, then you're not going to have very good results. Uh, you know, Buffett emphasizes that holding on to investments long term is crucial to having them pay off. The money is made in investments by investing and owning good companies for long periods of time. You know, it, in the short run, we we preach that the market can be emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it can it it can move based on uh, a popularity contest, for example. You know. A, and not necessarily on what profits and, and earnings and cash flows are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's one thing that, that if you're looking at investing for retirement, in retirement, you know, you you need to invest based on fundamentals because that's that's something that you can wrap your brain around. That's something that you know, you can continue to monitor. Uh, it's very hard to continue to monitor a popularity contest. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll add to, you know, having a, a long-term perspective, seeing the big picture of things um, is important <clears throat> because there's going to be times when whatever um, investment philosophy you adhere to that something else is going to be doing better. And that, that regardless of what it is, and you have to always go back and look and see, okay, what is my uh, process here? What am I trying to accomplish? And uh, is is the um, approach that I'm taking, is that prudent? And is that going to get me to my my goal? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very good thing, you know, because ultimately, it, yeah, like you said, is your goal to do exactly what the market does? Or is your goal to have a a you know a decent amount of uh, conservativeness in your portfolio and and maybe hit a certain return threshold over a long period of time? You know, and that's where you can can kind of back into how you should invest at that point. But it all comes back to fundamentals, like you said. In the short run, the market. Um, it's it's a popularity contest in the short run. It's emotions, um, and that'll dictate in the short run what a stock or whatever investment does in the short run. But in the long run, when you're looking at it big picture, uh, it, the fundamentals drive the valuations. Very much so. You know, that, and that's where, in the short run, that's where opportunity is created. Mm -hmm. you know, when you see volatility, 
if you know the fundamentals of a company and you've gone over those fundamentals repeatedly, fundamentals haven't changed, and you have that conviction in your head, that's when, you know, as, as Buffett says, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Speaking of Buffett, um, there's a question out there. Uh, is Warren Buffett too big to beat the market? In other words, has his flagship company, Berkshire Hathaway, gotten too big to beat the market? We will deal with that one when we come back from the break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Alexa, play WLAP on the iHeartRadio app. You can do that on any smart speaker. Try it. If your smart speaker can hear you, you can hear us. Just ask for News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Market volatility. It seems like it's definitely with us these days. During times like this, it pays to know what your investment plan is. At Dupree Financial Group, we help retirement investors build dividend-producing portfolios from securities that pay dividends. If that's your plan as a retirement investor, then give us a call at 859-233-0400. Or look at our website at DupreeFinancial.com and check us out on Facebook. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 right here on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630-WLAP. Okay, this time of year you hear a lot about Berkshire Hathaway um, from in the investment world because this is when they release their annual report leading up to their um, annual meeting on May the 8th in, in Omaha, Nebraska. And the question has continued to be for some time is Warren Buffett or Berkshire Hathaway too big to beat the market? Now, if you start from 1965, I think it was, like $100 invested in Berkshire would be worth $2.4 million today. Yeah. Whereas with the S&P 500, it would be worth 15000 So there's no question that historically uh, – it's had a much better return than the S&P 500. The question is, can it continue to do that? Um, and in this article by Jason Zweig, uh, he says, last weekend, Berkshire Hathaway Chairman Warren Buffett spent roughly a fifth of his latest annual letter talking about what he calls the bet. What he didn't talk about is even more interesting. The bet made at the end of 2007, Mr. Buffett correctly wagered that several bundles of hedge funds wouldn't be able to outperform the S&P 500 over the next decade. What he didn't mention directly in his letter is that Berkshire didn't 
outperform the S&P over that stretch either. So, in other words, Berkshire had gotten so big at that point that they weren't able to outperform the S&P 500. For decades, Mr. Buffett has been warning that size is the enemy of excellence for any investor and that Berkshire's performance was bound to decline. Could he finally be turning out to be right? Is Berkshire, at a total market value of $500 billion, getting too big to beat the market? So this is a prime example of um, success being the enemy. You know, size is the enemy of success in in investing um when so right now buffett has what is 116 billion in cash um back in the beginning you know a, a 10 billion dollar investment you know if he bought a company and it was a 10 billion dollar investment that would be a huge if that doubled that would be a huge return f from a percentage standpoint for his company um, same can, you can draw the same analogy with actively managed, uh, mutual funds as well. But today, uh, that same 10 billion, because the, the company's so large would, would just be a blip on the radar. It wouldn't make much of a difference. So the deals have to get bigger and bigger and bigger to make the same impact that it once did. So that's the, the, the point that he's making here is that you know Buffett's been talking about this for years that at some point this is going to become a, a problem for the, for the company and uh, now you you've over the last 15 20 years you've been seeing that margin of outperformance decline well and and I think you touched on it there too you know with the size that Buffett's created in in Berkshire Hathaway the majority of things that they do isn't Oh, we'll buy the piece of this stock. We'll buy a piece of that stock. It's we're going to buy this company, and when you look at over the past basically five years, the market, the growth in the market has outpaced growth of earnings. So the problem, you know, with Buffett is you're basically you're buying the NAV of the businesses that he owns, right? And those earnings streams are growing, and he can use those earnings to maybe buy more businesses. But if the market growth rate is outpacing earnings growth rates across multiple companies, you know that's where your conundrum is right there. Mm -hmm. um, but you you look at the comparing Berkshire with the fund. Um, you look at the the structural how how they're structured. Buffett he doesn't have redemptions like a mutual fund has he does the, the the structure of berkshire is much more friendly from well, an, it's an insurance company it's not a right it's not a holding company for investments right right and that structure allows him to take a long-term view on these things a mutual fund you do have the redemptions which is is a hindrance to the performance um so even with with Berkshire not having that hindrance that a mutual fund does, they've still not been able to outperform the market. Now, the the point I was wanting to make on this, you you look at the long term picture of Berkshire, like you quoted the numbers, Tom. You know, it's it's been a huge outperformance. But when you're dealing when when you drill down to the individual investor, you have to say 
what what are my goals as an investor? Um, because when your when your benchmark is some arbitrary index number, well, if you beat that or you don't beat that, does that actually get you to your goal? Um, you know, what we focus on is income, uh, income generating portfolio. Well, an index you're going to have volatility like we've seen over the last two months in the market that doesn't create a consistent income stream. Right. Um, and you, you, you always have to say, okay, what am I ultimately trying to, to accomplish here? Is it just a paper return, a number, or does this go to real life? Okay. This is actually what I'm going to be using this for. And does my investment philosophy meet that need? Yeah, and and ultimately what you're trying to do is is you're trying to to put time in your favor. It, when you're in retirement, you're trying to put time in your favor versus needing things to work right then and there. You know, because if you're looking at fundamentals and you're looking at okay, you know, my my portfolio is generating income for me, then it doesn't come down to I need my portfolio to go up 7% this year for me to make my withdrawal rate. Exactly. 7% next year. Because, I mean, if anybody can look at the the long-term chart of the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones, draw a trend line from 1950 to now, and it's going to have a positive slope. But the problem is it comes down to timing. If you're invested solely on just the the performance, the price performance of the market, so if you if you get one of those, you know, even though it's a positive positive slope, if you get one of those little peak and then a dip in there, you can you can impair yourself right off the bat in retirement. Right. Yeah, that's true, and you can end up taking out more of your retirement plan than you wanted to, which makes it tougher for you to come back. Yes. Okay. Uh, Ed Yardini, who's a well-known uh, economist, uh, has, has put out a, uh, did an interview with Barron's. He thinks uh, stocks are going to continue to do well. What do you guys think about what he's got to say there? Well, I think... I mean, I, I agree with his points. Um, the the earnings are phenomenal right now. Um, the the sell offs you've seen here recently, uh, it's it's been. He he actually mentions it in there, and this is something we've talked about a bunch. It was kind of an ETF sell off when you started having interest rates, uh, fear of inflation, what interest rates would do. It was a broad market sell off. But the, the, the underlying earnings are phenomenal. And it, I'll, I'll read one little quote here. Um, History shows if you buy stocks at high valuations, you, also, you often have below average returns. Long-term returns are basically determined by the underlying growth of earnings, which has been around 7% since the data started in 1935. Um, the tax cut has added seven percentage points to earnings growth this year. Um, but here recently, the valuation story is getting clipped because the Federal Reserve is normalizing rates and bond yields are moving somewhat higher. 
So the underlying fundamentals are still strong, and that's what he is uh, uh, addressing here, that he believes that you'll still see the market go up because the fundamentals are intact, but you will have short-term volatility based on fears of what interest rates are going to do. You know, the, the unforeseen things like tariffs, you know, things like that. Um, but I, I, I tend to agree with him um, that I do think that's going to happen. But again, you don't know what it's going to do in the short run. Yeah, and you, you know, you, you're seeing numbers, you're seeing consumer confidence increase. You're seeing, uh, you're not seeing unemployment uh, increase. You're actually, you know, you're seeing unemployment rate stay flat to actually going down still. Uh, you're seeing uh, a slight bit of wage growth. You're seeing a lot of positive factors for the consumer, which you know typically lends to okay, we're going to spend more. You know, we, we we feel comfortable with our job. You know, we might buy that new car now that originally we weren't going to buy. You know, it's not like you're seeing <coughs> you're seeing other things where okay. Consumer confidence is is ticked down two percent. Um, you know, unemployment's up, you know, ten basis points or anything like that. And those those are signs of uh, a potential recession. You know, these the signs that you're seeing now are signs of a a maturing business cycle, uh, a business cycle where you know you're gonna you you should start to see. Uh, decrease savings uh and increase spending uh which is a you know a market and earnings grower stay with us you're listening to the tom dupree show with mike johnson philip sexton's news radio 630 wlap next time you see the coming man you better run is important. People are what make your business work. But how do you find the right talent? ZipRecruiter makes it simple. One click sends your job ad to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. Their smart matching technology will instantly alert quality candidates about your job. That means you'll start getting great candidates with the right experience almost as soon as your job is posted. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. This is how you find them. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. People from businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. We're so confident ZipRecruiter will get you better results than anywhere else. We'll let you try it free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Looking for fast, easy, and secure electronic banking? Community Trust has a wide variety of banking services to meet your needs, including internet banking, bill pay, and mobile banking. We now have even more great services like Apple Pay, make payments directly from your smartphone, and People Pay, a fast, easy, secure way to send and receive money from your smartphone. Visit us on the internet to learn more at ctbi.com. That's ctbi.com. 
Community Trust Bank. Building communities built on trust. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Now that President Trump has accepted a meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, the White House is walking back earlier suggestions that there are new preconditions for North Korea that could put the summit in jeopardy. ABC's Mary Bruce has more on the high stakes. No sitting U.S. president has ever met with the leader of North Korea, and for much of the past year, a sit-down seemed impossible amid months of escalating tension and trash talk between the two leaders. The question remains, can they put the name-calling aside and negotiate. That meeting is expected to take place by May. In Northern California, police say a former Army rifleman and patient at a veterans facility in Napa County is dead, along with the three women he took hostage. The day-long standoff ending when police entered the building and found them, authorities identified the suspect as Albert Wong, who had served in Afghanistan. Get ready to spring forward. Daylight saving begins for most of the country. Change those clocks one hour ahead before bed tonight. Michelle Franzen, ABC News. As we kick off the weekend and we head throughout your Saturday afternoon, conditions improving from earlier this morning. We did have that rain and snow mix early on. Now we're seeing a drier conditions take over. Mix of sunny clouds prevailing with highs in the upper 40s. And then we'll track some more rain and snow chances back into the forecast once again by your Sunday evening. For your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP, WKYT meteorologist Chris Johnson. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. The clock is ticking. Every day you put off buying life insurance can cost you big time. The older you get, the more you'll have to pay. And a sudden accident or unexpected illness could cause your rates to skyrocket or even make you uninsurable. Beat the clock. Call Select Quote now. No hassle, no obligation. In minutes, you'll have a choice of your best rates from up to 10 highly rated life insurance companies. Richard, 40 years old, takes meds to control his cholesterol. Still, SelectQuote got him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. Under a dollar a day. Don't risk your family security another minute. Get your free quote now. Just call 800-280-8787. That's 800-280-8787. 800-280-8787 or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Attention Central Kentucky employers and business owners. Looking for cost-effective professional development opportunities for your best and brightest employees? Commerce Lexington's award-winning Emerge Conference on March 27th at Lexington Center will provide learning opportunities focused on personal and professional growth as well as community engagement. Send your emerging leaders to represent your brand at the conference and the investment will pay dividends by helping your up-and-coming leaders grow within your business. To visit the conference agenda or to register, visit EmergeLexington.com. That's EmergeLexington.com. Don't miss it. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom DeBree Show. Retiree, are you smarter than a kindergartner? Uh, There's a a website called Seeking Alpha, which is pretty good website in terms of giving a diversity of opinion. Uh, lots of different viewpoints on there, and uh, on, on this article, written by a company called Colorado Wealth Management Fund, they talk about 
uh, how retirees can get in trouble basically chasing after things. Now, Philip, you prepared this. I want you to kind of yeah. run through on this. You know, so at the beginning, he, he talks about, uh, he says, some financial analysts believe that retirement stocks do not exist. Uh, this is this is based on the simple idea that total returns can only be positive, negative, or flat. From that perspective, any stock that goes up is a good stock. Any stock that goes down is a bad stock. The simplicity is appealing, but it completely ignores individual factors. <clears throat> so the big one here, one, one that talks about is a timeline. It says an investor may be very confident that they are correct about the fundamentals of a stock. So fundamentals is something we've been talking about today. However, the short-term price movements are based on emotions rather than fundamentals. So he goes on to say, <clears throat> I think this is a good picture, uh, picture that he paints. He says, you might imagine the fundamentals as a man taking a dog on a walk. The share price would be the dog. The dog can run in either direction from the man. However, there is a leash in place. The dog can only get so far away. The price functions similarly. It can disconnect significantly from the fundamental values, but there is only so much leeway. As investors, we won't know precisely how long the leash is. However, we can all agree uh, neither Apple nor Google will be worth $0 per share within the next year. That is a very simple conclusion. <clears throat> the price may run up or yeah, down. That's that's not true of every stock. You know, some stocks can get in trouble and, and go a lot lower than. Well, that's when the fundamentals change. Yeah. And that's what he's saying is that, you know, if, you, if you're monitoring the fundamentals of a company and you're monitoring, you know, what's going on with the fundamentals, then when it goes way, way too far in price above the fundamentals, that's when, okay, let's sell it. I mean, that doesn't make it a, a, a great stock that, you know, at that point, it doesn't make it a great stock to own because it's well past its fundamentals. Uh, I, you know, I, I think Consumer Staples uh, last year was a prime example of, you know, you've got – uh, price to earnings multiples of mid to high 20s on something with a growth rate of 2%. You know, that right there is a prime example. And you've seen them pull back this year mm -hmm. to more of a fundamental basis. You know, and the, the same thing can happen on the downside. Yeah. You, see, you could see, a, you could see a, a prime company trading at a seven price to earnings multiple with like a, a six or 7% growth rate. Right. I'd like to see some of those here. I'd love to see some of those. <laughs> but but that, that usually happens when you have bi big dislocations in the market. Yeah. And, you know, like in the financial crisis, you saw some of those uh, that were, you know, trading for a fraction of book value, tangible book value. Um, but, like, you, I think the consumer staples was, is a good example of something that had just gotten so – um, pricey because everybody wanted them, and it, it was. You're talking about consumer staples. Say it so the people can understand what. Kind so, of so consumer staples would be everyday types of products like uh, a company like Kimberly Clark or um, a company like Kraft Heinz. Um, good companies, very good, strong companies, strong balance sheets, but the price 
because you always have to remember, it's not just about a good company. It's what price are you paying for it? And the price of these things last year were way too high. Um, Unilever, uh, Nestle, um, those, those types of companies, because the market was viewing that as kind of the next uh, uh, thing in line from a bond. That's what, that's what Yardini said uh, in the previous article, is that if you buy something well above where its fundamentals are trading, you're going to have below average performance. You know, right. and that's where you know, eventually the earnings would, would have caught up to that multiple. Or, or should have caught up to that multiple. But that's the problem is, is you're waiting on something to catch up. Right, exactly. And if you, if you, that's why it's, we're, we're not, we, we, in our portfolios, we don't trade. And we're, we, we like to be long-term investors, but it's not buy, hold, and forget about it. Because things get expensive, things get cheap uh, for no real reason. Uh, and you have the fundamentals get dislocated or the, the stock price dislocated from the fundamentals, and that's when you have to take action. Um, and so, you know, when you're looking at things that have gotten expensive, yes, so let's say uh, Kimberly Clark or Kraft Heinz, when it was at the high multiple, uh, it was yielding 25 2.8% on the dividend, so it was still paying the same dollars in dividends, but... For new money, especially, you're getting a lower yield, and that yield can be wiped out real quick from just not not necessarily the stock just going down in price, but just uh, to a ridiculously low valuation, just by the stock going to historical valuations. You could have had your dividends wiped out. When you talk about, so in this article, it goes on to, it says too, uh, a, a technique uh, investors can use is to emphasize companies that have recently raised their dividend for several consecutive years. You know, that's something that, that we like to preach on is that we like long-term histories of dividends and companies raising dividends. Instead. Or, or, or prospects of, you know, because so, some companies that we own, they've cut their dividends, uh, but we like the prospects of where they are today at today's price. Yeah. Well, and then it goes on to say, uh, you know, this encourages executives to be less adventurous with the balance sheet. Uh, since retirees should get their adventures on cruises, there is no need to take adventures inside of their portfolio. I think that right there is a, I like that one liner right there. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, that's, you, you want that consistency, that, that consistent income, that consistent earnings, consistent cash flows. You know, and there, there's going to be years where you might have a dip. Uh, you know, 2008, everybody's earnings took a little bit of a dip just because consumer spending went down. But if you have a, a company with solid fundamentals and they're sa they're only paying out 40% of their earnings, even though their earnings took a dip, their payout ratio goes a little bit higher, they still have that, that capital, that buffer there. One of the things that they talk about is chasing yields that might be a little bit um, higher than they should be. They talk about sucker yields that disturb deserves further explanation. Sucker yields are bad for all investors. However, sucker yields are far worse for investors in or near retirement. Retirees who are confident that their 18% dividend yields are dramatically more likely to spend those dividends. 
what is a sucker yield and how should you avoid it so when you're if you're looking at uh, a, a market that you know the s and P's yielding 1.8 percent yeah. right around there two percent um but if you're seeing something that's yielding potentially 18 percent like they use in that example um you have to look and, and ask serious questions why is it yielding that um and are there problems uh because the what the market's telling you in that situation is they're po- probably going to cut the dividend um and you have to take that into consideration when you're doing your analysis when you can usually look at a company you know and they're paying out 18 percent, and you look at okay what's the payout ratio and the payout ratio means if a company earns a dollar and they're paying out a dollar in dividends that's a hundred percent payout ratio there's no excess buffer there you know and a, and a company that's paying an 18 percent dividend usually has a payout ratio in the hundred plus percent range so that's one of those that it's you know there's a lot of a lot of signs that's a very easy sign to look at yeah. when you're looking at a sucker yield yeah now sometimes i mean there there can be uh be it uh just a sector that's out of favor sometimes there is value in in that kind of a uh scenario but you have to be very careful when you're uh when you're doing your analysis to say okay is are the fundamentals really challenged here and is, is that 18 percent really going to continue is that a real number or not yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, he talks about REITs in here um, and he gives a example of various different companies large cap companies and their payout ratios and then uh, he says to maximize the yield on the portfolio investors should be including REITs real estate investment trusts the REITs have several advantages. Uh, the lack of corporate taxes is one significant uh, advantage. Dividends are often taxed at a higher rate since they are unqualified. But the removal of corporate taxes give REITs a competitive advantage in producing total returns to the shareholder. What about that? So we, we, we own some REITs. Uh, you have to be careful with REITs um, because they do pay out everything. Uh, so they're not able to retain earnings like a corporation can. Um, so you have to be careful uh, with the type of REIT you have. What's their debt look like? Uh, what types of uh, properties do they own? Because if they're paying everything out and it's not a consistent business, that's where they get into trouble. Yeah, it, it's you know what what like you said what what are the debts what are the contracts that they have is right it, is it a managed property or just a leased property right you know, because sometimes some 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 uh reits they might manage and operate certain properties you know so that is a um that is a a margin that can go up and down over time depending on utilization rates you know what are the kickers in those contracts? You know, do they go up with inflation or do they have a fixed rate that they go up? You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you can look at. Uh, they also talk about mortgage REITs in here. They talk about Simon Property Group, Tanger Outlet, and then they talk about AG&C. And describe the difference in a mortgage REIT and a regular REIT. So a regular REIT will tip real estate investment trust 
So a typical REIT will own some sort of physical property. Um, Simon Property Group, for example, they own malls, um, kind of the, the top tier malls, con- conservative balance sheet. They've been buying back shares. Uh, but uh, that's a typical REIT. Uh, you can have REITs. A couple years ago, the market got kind of REIT crazy where everything was spun off as a REIT. Um, but the traditional is physical properties of some sort. It could be storage buildings. It could be physical malls or single tenant properties. Um, a mortgage REIT, um, it's structured as a REIT, so they pay out 90% of the income to shareholders, but they own a portfolio of mortgage bonds. Um, so AG and C, uh, theirs are uh, government government agency mortgages. Yeah, and what you're what you're really you're trying to do there is you're trying to play the spread between interest rates. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of financial instruments involved, you know. You, but basically, the 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 just the basic fundamental part of the business is playing the spread between interest rates. Right. You know, and and. Uh, <laughs> And it's it's weird too because even if there's a lack of a spread, you know, with certain financial instruments, you can still you can still make a spread. Is basically what what I was trying to get down to. To the hedging. Yeah. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 6:30 WLAP. Alexa, play WLAP on the iHeartRadio app. You can do that on any smart speaker. Try it. If your smart speaker can hear you, you can hear us. Just ask. For News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Market volatility. It seems like it's definitely with us these days. During times like this, it pays to know what your investment plan is. At Dupree Financial Group, We help retirement investors build dividend-producing portfolios from securities that pay dividends. If that's your plan as a retirement investor, then give us a call at 859-233-0400 or look at our website at DupreeFinancial.com and check us out on Facebook. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 right here on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Okay. We had a big tax bill go through, which has affected lots of different people and companies in the economy. Um, John Cochran, writing for the Wall Street Journal, believes that stock buybacks are a proof of tax reform success. Now, what happens when, when people buy back their own stock, companies that is, they buy their stock in the open market because they believe it's a good deal. They believe that the company will do well going forward, and they see that as a good use of their own cash. As the Republican tax reform has gained popularity, the Democrats have had to update their messaging uh, to 
cast corporate tax cuts as a scam and redistribution to the wealthy, opponents have shifted their focus to the evil of stock buybacks and dividends. Corporations have been pouring billions of dollars into stock repurchase programs, not significant wage increases or other meaningful investments, declared Chucky Schumer. Such buybacks, he claimed, benefit primarily the people at the top and come at the expense of worker training, equipment research, new hires, or higher salaries. Other Democrats have echoed the theme, and their media friends are cheerfully passing it on. Economic logic isn't strong in Washington these days, but, e but this effort stands out for its incoherence. Share buybacks and dividends are great. They get cash out of companies that don't have worthwhile ideas and into companies that do. An increase in buybacks is a sign that the tax law in the economy is working. Buybacks do not automatically make shareholders wealthier. Suppose Company A has $100 cash in a factory worth $100. It has issued two shares, each worth $100. The company's shareholders now have $200 in wealth. Imagine if the company uses $100 in cash to buy back one share. Now its shareholders have one share worth $100 and 100 in cash, their wealth remains the same. So this guy is taking the capitalist point of view about why tax buybacks are a good thing. Yeah, and, you know, because I've always, I've always heard the argument of the, the trickle-down effect and, you know, it's never worked and, and this and that, and, you know, that's when you're looking at if you're looking solely at wage increases and that's where this this article right here i really like this article because there's a lot of times when you you give a tax break a consumer stable company with a two percent growth rate you know and no real good ideas do you really want them putting that hundred billion dollars plowing it back into their own company and plowing it into something that's going to grow 2%. You get what I'm saying? I would mm -hmm. I would rather see a company like that say, well, you know, right now we feel like our shares are at a pretty decent price. We don't have a better idea to grow earnings. Let's buy back some of the shares. And then immediately what that does is it puts that money out there in the market to where – Somebody else can say, hey, I've got this cash. They got a good idea over there. I'll give them my money. And it grows the economy from that standpoint. Not And, you know, that company will say, okay, well, we're going to hire 10,000 new employees at that point because we need them. We have a 8% growth rate on our earnings, and we're trying to get this thing churning. That's the difference there. Right. Now, what one thing that we we like to see, especially if uh, a, a stock price has gone down, is is management stepping in and saying, "Okay, we're we're going to be buying here because it's it's cheap." Um, that's a little different than a company saying, "We don't have any ideas." <laughs> you know, how are we going to grow this money? So it, it depends on what uh, what the prospects are for the business um, and to determine if it's worth continuing to own that, that company or not. 
Well, I mean, it also is indicative of a mature company. What's Apple's next big idea going to be? Can it be as big as the iPhone? Probably not. Right. Apple may already be a mature company. And so what they can do is buy back their own shares, which gives the shareholders a, a non-dilutive action. Right. It's uh, accretive, actually. Yeah. And helps them. And... Um, makes their value of their holdings worth more um, especially if the market for those stocks continues to do well then you know they'll be glad that the company bought back shares right yeah because I mean ultimately what what you're trying to do what management is trying to do is grow the value to the owners which are the shareholders you know, and, and that's, that's what we're trying to say is, you know, if you don't have any ideas at that moment in time, the worst thing you can do is throw money at a bad idea you know, at, right. at that point. You know, you need to either take the cash and say, we're going to wait for a better opportunity and, you know, maybe buy back some shares with some of it and, you know, keep some of it. Uh, that's where... That's where the capital markets come into play because eventually that, you know, that wealth, that cash is redistributed into something that is going to have a better opportunity to grow. Okay, I just wanted to get to this one article. U.S. will be the world's largest oil producer by 2023, says the International Energy Association or Agency. Can you believe that? I mean, when you look at where we've came since about 2007 uh it's 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 quite possible i mean we've got the u.s ever since they've figured out how to uh frack and get into shell that shell layer of rock and get those oil reserves the amount of reserves in the united states has skyrocketed you know so and and every day that we sit here talking about it, technology <laughs> finds a, a cheaper and cheaper way to get it out of there. So it, it the marginal cost per barrel has continued to decline over the past three years, um, you know, to where there's a there's a decent chance that we do become the number one producer. It's it's amazing. It says uh, until 2015, the U.S. didn't export any crude oil by law. But in five years, it's expected to be among the world's biggest exporters. It's Amazing. Nuts. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope there was something that you guys got out of some of this. We try to be helpful to you and give you ideas. Uh, if you want to, would like to have a, a somebody look over your investment portfolio, call us at the pre-financial group at 233-0400. And it's been a pleasure doing the show. Have a great weekend.